Welcome to the Casa Fam podcast, where you'll hear in-depth stories of heroes of hope, foster youth, and how we can create change. Tune in every other Tuesday for insight on how to become a part of the solution. All right, guys. Hello, my name is Diana Canto, and I am the Marketing and Outreach Coordinator for Casa, and we have here... Angie Martinez. I am the Program Supervisor for Casa. So we're going to get things started today with a little introduction. We're going to talk a little bit about Casa background, qualifications, why CASA, why we chose CASA, and then a little bit of later episodes, talk about what we're going to do from here on out and the trajectory of what CASA fam is going to be. So we'll start off first. You go first, Angie. You talk a little bit about yourself and then I'll follow suit. Sure. So I've been with CASA for nine years. I started at CASA as a volunteer back in 2014. I had one case, a sibling set of three that was headed towards adoption. So for me, it was a very easy case. Not a lot of trauma that I had to deal with as a, as a volunteer in that case. But I did see that case through to the adoption and I wrote one final report of the adoption. I was then assigned to another case very briefly that was out of county by the time they figured it out. So I didn't stay on that case. And then shortly after that, they, the staff at CASA had reached out to me and if I was interested in the position because my supervisor was leaving. So I applied for the position and I've been with CASA ever since as a, uh, started as a supervisor overseeing the cases in Madeira and the advocates there. And I have slowly over the years have had, I have had cases in both counties, but my main contribution to CASA has been growing the program in Madeira. So a little bit before we talk about me, I wanted to ask you, why did you decide, did you know that you were ever going to be in a nonprofit organization? Did you like, why CASA? What was that? That process? Well, I had in my um, college years, I had studied to do social work in Texas. So, but however, when I got to my senior year, I real I learned <laughs> in my senior year that in order to be a practicing social worker in California, you have to have a master's degree. Mm-hmm. So you can't get your license without having a master's in California. I did not know that going into the whole program <laughs> um, in Texas. And so uh, knowing that we were going to be coming back to California, I just kind of put my career on hold and, and we had started our family already before we moved out to California. And so I, shortly after moving out here, I had heard a commercial about CASA and I thought that sounds like something that I could do you know Mm -hmm. maybe when my kids get older fast forward my kids are older they were about I think my oldest were about 14 my youngest was about 10 and my one of my best friends was going to be doing the program she was going to be becoming a volunteer and she's Mm -hmm. like she had gone to the info session and she said hey you've got to you've got to come do this with me and so we did we came and did the program together, um, went through the training, the 40-hour training, and we both became advocates and sworn in on the same night. It was really cool. And then I got a case. That's really interesting. So so I think where my background comes into play and my qualifications are the fact that um, I attended Fresno State for marketing and advertising. And so I always knew that I wanted to be in the advertising field or marketing field. I just didn't know how I could find a job that I could make money, but also have a purpose. Where CASA came into play with me is I'm a big firm believer in everything happens for a reason. And I'm a firm believer in instances in life. When something appears to me or something happens, it's all meant for a reason. And so I kind of follow suit with that. And CASA literally came almost like on my lap. My mom works in a nonprofit and she said, hey, I heard that CASA is looking for a marketing person 
just, you know, I've, she told me I've had so many rewards and wins working in a nonprofit and seeing the lives that I've changed from doing it. I think that you should really check it out and see if this is something that maybe you could be potentially interested in. So I was like, okay, let's see. You know, I don't, I've never really heard a lot of things about nonprofits other than you're helping people. And then there's like other things that go along with it. And so I kind of went into it blindly and I was like, let's do it. Let's see what I can do. Let's see if I can, if I apply and what happens, I applied and I got it. And I was like, okay, I'm meant to be here. I believe that everyone's meant to be at where they're, where they're at in their lives for a reason. And I also always grew up wanting to help people and create a change in whatever way I can. And that is kind of like my tool and my vessel to help other people is through my marketing. So that's kind of how I I see it. If someone were to come up to you, Angie, and ask like, what is CASA? And, you know, not just kind of like the plain version where you give all the statistics. What is it really? What does CASA do for people? How does it change lives? And why do you, you know, why are you here? So I can start by saying that when I was um, when I was little, very little, age three, four, five, six, up until I was eleven, there was there was a lot of things that happened in my childhood that made me go towards the direction of social services when I became an adult and after school. Um, I mean, after high school. So I never was in the foster care system, but that's just because I had grandparents that were willing to take me in, and I realized that not everybody has that, and so. When I learned about CASA and what CASA does, that it hit home for me in a way that, you know, I had my grandparents that were advocates for me, not in an official, you know, they weren't CASA advocates, but they were my advocates. They spoke, couldn't at age five. I remember one time I, I hated repeating my story and to get through like court hearings and to to see the trial through for the person that had been the, the perpetrator to me. I had to repeat that story so many times of what happened and I didn't want to repeat it. And my grandmother got to the point where she saw the toll it was taking on me and she said, no more, like she can't do this anymore. And had I not had her, I don't know. I don't know how that would have affected me emotionally as a, as a young child. I was only like four or five at the time. And I don't know. Also, you know, she also got me into mental health services and stuff at a very young age. And I remember being feeling very close to that person. And and so, I, you know, there was all these things that just fell into place for me. And I realized that there's so many for our foster kids that things don't fall into place for them, especially if they don't have a family member or an advocate that is speaking up for them and knowing like on a personal level, like what's going on with them. So I think that's why CASA, the more that I have been involved with CASA, the, the more years that I've been here, I've seen those stories repeatedly, repeatedly, and, and all every story is different, but what is the same is, is how an advocate made a difference in that child's story. It could be with education, it could be with, you know, visits with a sibling, it could be keeping a child from going down the probation side of things. And I have seen the impact in the nine years that I've been here. And it didn't take me nine years to see the impact. Yeah. But I have definitely seen it. A lot of these kids, you know, some of the kids that, that when I started, they were younger. <clears throat> they were maybe teenagers. Now they are adults. And I can see how the CASA advocate um, and their involvement in their life has made such a difference in who they are now as adults. Yeah. And I think like, I'm just horrified to think like how many kids don't have that and, and where are they now that don't have an advocate? 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, you said it didn't take you nine years. I've only been here for three weeks now, and I've seen the impact just by going to the ice cream social or seeing kind of the stories that I hear from you guys, how much these kids' lives are actually truly being affected in a positive light because they have someone to tell them that you aren't a statistic, that you can achieve anything that you want to achieve, that you have someone that's stable. Because in the foster system, I'm not too privy on that. I learned marketing, like I said, but I know that for anyone and who doesn't matter who you are, you need a consistent, stable person in your life. Otherwise you're going to go haywire. How else are you, you know, being a child and being an adult are two to completely different things. And so having someone to tell you like, this is maybe a road you might want to go down. That's a better road than the one that you might be thinking of going down. And I think that's so important. And I think that that's what CASA does essentially is having someone that is stable that is a mentor that, like I said earlier, isn't going to tell you that you're not X, Y, and Z, but that you can be whatever you want to be. For sure. And we've had advocates who just their presence in these kids' lives, they, they teach these kids manners, some of them. And every advocate is different. Every advocate comes with their own experience as well. And so, like, I've had advocates that are just, like, they're, they're big on manners, please, thank you, and excuse me, and not, not cursing while you're in my car, kind of things. And then you have other advocates that teach kids about sports and wildlife and, and things that they may not be exposed to. I've had kids that have never been to the beach Wow. Because they they were born into situations that you know their parents weren't couldn't afford maybe or didn't have a vehicle yeah. to get to the beach and so advocates often when they take their kids to the beach that may be the first time that the, those kids are seeing the ocean you know and that's just amazing to me like little um, wins little things it's, it can it's such it's so much of it is little things but yeah. it's such a big thing for the kids I also think too even being a volunteer or working here you are really humbled. That some of the things that we take for granted every day, these people, these kids that are experiencing it are so grateful because they've never experienced it before. It's like watching a sunset for the first time. You're just like, oh my gosh, like this is so beautiful. And to us, we're like, well, I see a sunset every day. So yeah. it's it's pretty normalized for me. But for these kids, it's Disneyland sunset for the first time. Like you yeah. get so excited. And I think seeing other people get excited for those small wins is such a blessing in disguise kind of. So I think that's really powerful as well. So if someone wants to become an advocate what would you, or some a volunteer, what would you suggest? Like those session, there's the interview, there's getting sworn in, all these things. What do they need to be prepared for realistically? Realistically, you know, they need to be prepared. They need to be, they need to have patience. Um, they need to not expect that, that these kids are going to just fall all over them with big hugs. And I'm so grateful for you in my life because sometimes it takes a long time to get to that. And there are also times when the youth doesn't even recognize the, the benefit that the advocate is bringing to their life. And it may be years down the road. You may just be planting a seed for that youth and then moving on to another one. I think they need to be prepared to deal with these kids' trauma. These kids are, they have trauma referred to CASA on our program are the kids that, that need us the most. These are the kids that are, they could be orphans. Perhaps their parents are not able to be found right now. Their parents may be in jail for a long time. Maybe they have no family that's there to speak for them. So these are kids that are at risk of like falling through the crack. Though so I kind of see it as like they have buckets and they have holes in the bucket and where they're trying to find all the holes and make sure that their bucket can get filled mm -hmm. uh, before they age out of this system. I love that. 
that analogy. That's good. So they, I think that advocates, they need to be prepared that it's there. It's baby steps. A lot of the way is baby steps. Things move slowly. The department moves slowly. We can come in and just, we want to see this change right away, but it takes time. It takes communication. It takes building trust. And the main thing is just being patient and being persistent and, and staying involved. Yeah. And I think that that's, super important that's why we have the 18 month commitment want you want to show that these because these it's a revolving door for these kids they're seeing constant all these different type of people whether it's social worker it's the judge it's someone new a new a resource parent something different is constantly changing in their lives that casa advocate is the one of the consistent things in their life which i think is really important and i think it's really such an amazing reward for the advocate too to see that and so is there a story that you remember in your pastime with advocacy or even being an advocate supervisor where you were like this is why I do what I do so I have a story of an advocate who her foster youth was placed in a home where the resource parents were wanting to were wanting her youth to attend the same school as as the grand as her grandchildren she would get her grandkids in the morning and it was her responsibility to take them to the school um and so she this resource parent wanted also this new foster child that had come into her home to go also to this school well the distance between the two schools was literally half a mile and it was over a bridge over the freeway like it was that close but i guess there was some safety concerns they didn't want him walking over there he was fine to why he was like i'll walk over there he was 12 years old i'll walk over there i'm fine but they but they did not want him to walk so there because there were so many different social workers there was you know every time we got a new social worker this resource parent would would harp on that same issue about moving this child, you know, to a different school, the school that was more convenient. And so this advocate was, you know, she had known, you know, this, the special education needs that this youth had. She had investigated if the the school that was closer to the home had those same services. They did not. Um, he also had bonded with, with teachers, with students. He, he, that was like his little home school there. He was comfortable there. He had one more year to go at that school. So, but everybody was against, was against that. Everybody wanted to make this resource parent happy um, because we didn't want to, you know, lose that placement. And that is also so important. We do, you know, there's times when we do have to, um, you know, look at what's best for this youth in general. You know, is it like keeping the school or keeping the placement? So we do have to weigh that as advocates. Um, however, in this situation, um, you know, the 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 other school was not that far. It wasn't that inconvenient. And so this advocate was advocating that, you know, she was pushing that he stay at his home school. He also has the right to that. And so the new social worker came along, another new social worker came along, and not knowing the whole history, she's like, let's have a meeting. We're going to talk about this school thing. And so my advocate was like, They're, they've already pretty much decided that they want him to go to this new school. other school. So what does this advocate do? Amazing. She had already built relationships with the school district personnel, teacher, and even like a foster youth liaison within the school district. Um, and so she was able to bring all those people to this meeting and they all advocated on this youth's behalf talking about how important it is to maintain these social relationships at his age he only has one year left and then he's going to a high school and it was so powerful to see that because of the relationships that she had built with these people just by communicating about her kids that they all came to support 
what was best for this youth. And so that's what happened. He got to stay at his school. Wow. And just that little thing, you know, it's, it's just a school. It's just, you know. But it's so much more than that. It is, yeah. That's amazing. And to see that this kid now has graduated high school. I'm going to cry. Oh, but yeah. He's, that's amazing. He's done well in school ever since. And this, the crazy thing is, is with maybe without that advocate, that would not have been a thing. Oh, yeah. He, he and his siblings fully admit without this advocate, they would all be, you know, they wouldn't have finished high school. They wouldn't have done, you know, the, the positive things that they've done in their lives. Oh, that's so amazing. And I think that that's where we'll kind of leave off and let the story continue with further episodes. I think that what's to come in later episodes, there's more stories, interviewing more advocates, maybe trying to get past foster youth in here to kind of tell us their story, why they were impacted by their advocate, why they liked CASA. Absolutely. And going in depth, learning more and asking questions because a lot of people may know the name CASA, may know the name for foster youth, may know certain things, but they don't know the in-depth story. And this is where we're coming here to talk about it. The questions that you guys want answered, the questions that we even have working here, like what's what can be the end result? What can be the solution? Because we're here to create change and give a voice to the voiceless. And we can't wait to see what's next and more to come. And we'll talk to you guys soon.